Okay, we are picking up in Genesis, Genesis chapter 39. And let's start picking up again, reading in verse, verse, uh, let's start reading in verse 6. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all things he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil? And sin against God. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had fled that he had left his garment in in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to make uh, Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in he came in to me to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and he fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came into me to make sport of me. And I raised my voice and screamed. He left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me. His anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners are confined, and he was there in jail. Okay, so we covered part of this last week about how he's a slave. She is the slave, she is the master's wife. He has to obey her. She commands him to lie with her. He says, I can't, and he puts it back on his master. And uh, uh, he says, you know, I can't do this in verse 8. So what he did is he thrust the reasons why he can't do this back on his master. He says, my master, because of my master, he's done this. He's given me everything except you because you are his wife. Reminds her that she's his wife. She shouldn't be doing this type of thing. And and I had I had cited last week this book, Tactics, which has been a real help to me. It, it, it really teaches you how to, how to deflect things back to Jesus. And I need to do more of that. I haven't been able to really exercise that enough with these COVID days, but uh, I hope to exercise it more. But in any case, he says, says here that uh, um, uh, in, in verse 9, the end of verse 9, he says, How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? So he brings God into this as well. I can't sin against God. The Bible says that, that in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, all, he says, uh, no creature is hidden from his sight. Everything is open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 
God sees everything. Everything you do, God sees. Everything you do, God sees. And Joseph was well aware of this. So in verse 10, she changed her, changes her tactic. And she spoke to Joseph day after day. So she didn't command him anymore because he had said, I, I can't follow through on that commandment because of my master. So she spoke to him. So she's trying to seduce him. So she changes from command to seduction. So she's speaking to him every day. She spoke to him day after day. And he didn't listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. So what she's saying to him, she's saying, hey, all right, just lie down here. Just sit here next to me. Just sit here next to me. Just lie down beside me. And, you know, when a young man who's 25 years old, out of his contact, out of, and he just starts lying down next to a woman who's, who's hitting on him, I tell you, this is Mount Vesuvius. This is something is just going to explode. And, uh, and he knows it. And he, she's saying, it's just an innocent thing. Just lie down next to me. And I'll tell you, I see it all the time. Look, I have been there. There's no experience that you go through that I haven't experienced in this, in this, these sexual temptations. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying I've been through it with myself and with a whole lot of people. And you start messing around with these things and just saying, well, you know, we were just lying together and talking. Oh, you were just lying down together in the bed. You just happen to be in bed together just talking. Well, I'm telling you, it's, gonna, it's not going to lead to good things. Don't put yourself in that position. He would not lie down next to her. She's tried to get him to lie down beside her or be with her. She just wanted him to be alone with her. You get alone with a woman or you get alone with a man. And these things can indeed happen. And uh, so that's why, uh, you know, I encourage people, you don't have to be alone together. You can, you can, uh, you know, if, if, if we're in the normal days, I consider, I, I tell them to go to coffee shops and sit, sit alone. Sit outside. You don't have to be alone inside together. I mean, th things can get messy in there. And he wouldn't do it. <clears throat> now in verse 11, Now it happened one day that he went out into the house to do his work. He was going in there to do his work. This is what he was called on to do. And none of the men of the household was there inside. Why is the scripture writing that? Because that's an unusual thing. If there were lots of men inside, it would... It would it's pointing it out because probably normally there's other workers inside. She has set up this whole thing so there happens to be no other workers in the, in the house that day. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. So now she's coming back to the command. The seduction didn't work. The invitation to lie next to her. The invitation to talk with her didn't work. So now she's commanding him again. But now she's got hold of his garment. Technically, he's a slave. He's supposed to obey. Technically. So what does he do? And he left the garment in her hand and he fled and he went outside. So he leaves the garment with her and he flees. So you say, well, why doesn't he take his garment from her? Because she's holding on to it. She's the master's wife. You try to rip something out of the hands of a woman. I'm sure Joseph could have done it. He was handsome in form and appearance. But to do that, you've got to take the women's hands and you've got to squeeze them. Or you've got to push her away. Or if you yank it, She's going to fall over and then you're in bigger trouble. So if you're a slave, all you can do is leave the garment with her and go. So he runs out just in his loincloth or something. So he's running out naked without his, his normal covering and he flees outside. Well, where are all the other men? They're outside. They're not in the house. So this has got to be quite a sight, him coming out. 
It says, when she saw that he left his garment in her hand and had fled, she called to the men of her household. <clears throat> so he's already outside and now she screams. Make note of that. He's outside and now she screams. <clears throat> and then they come in and she says, see, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to lie with me and I screamed. All right, so she says, when he came in to lie with me, I screamed. But she says this, she says, see, he has brought in a Hebrew. Who's he? That's her husband. Her husband has brought in a Hebrew. The accusation is now on her husband. This is his fault. This is my husband's fault. He brought in this Hebrew. <clears throat> it's interesting. In order to be a Hebrew, you've got to be a descendant of Jacob. You have to be a descendant of Jacob to be a Hebrew. Joseph is the first of the Hebrews and already he is being referred to by the Egyptians as a Hebrew. J Jacob's family had real notoriety. Jacob's family had so much notoriety, probably because they took over that, they killed everyone in Shechem, a lot of notoriety, even in Egypt, they're referring to him as a Hebrew. <clears throat> in the first generation, and that is even, even how they referred to themselves as Hebrews when they described themselves to others. That is how Paul described himself. He described himself, he says, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. In the first century, he's still describing himself as a Hebrew. So he says, he brought in this Hebrew. So she's blaming her husband. He brought in this Hebrew to make sport of us. This is intent, meaning that he brought him in, not to just be a slave, and he happened to try to rape me. He brought him in here with the intent of raping me. She says that was his intent. He brought him in here to make sport of us. Intent. <clears throat> If I, if, if, if you drop, if, if I go to your home, so you invite me into your home, and I drop my plate, you give me a meal, and I, I accidentally drop my plate on the ground, you're not going to say to me, you wicked man, get out and never come back. You're going to say, are you okay? Sorry about that. Now, if I take a plate in your home, you hand it to me, and I go, your plate, your plate, bam, and I throw the thing on the ground, and it shatters. You have every good right to throw me out of your house and never have me back. Because that's intent. The outcome is the same. Broken plate. One is by accident, the other is with intent. We put people into jail because of intent. If I hit a pedestrian accidentally and I'm not drunk, I don't get thrown in jail for that. I'm sorry. I might get sued in a civil suit. But, you know, you know I, I, I didn't see them. They jumped out. But if I swerve to intentionally hit somebody, that's intent. I go to jail for that. She accuses him. This is, she says, this is his intent. She's got some case against her husband to make sport of us. He came in here, so she's already gossiping about her husband. He came in here to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and went and fled. Look, the story, his, now you see a difference. Remember, he's already outside and she screamed, but she's telling the men who were outside already and had seen this guy already outside saying, when he heard me scream, then he re ran outside. Already her story's not holding up. When you lie about something, it doesn't hold up. So she, so she left his garment beside her until his master came home. So his garment's sitting right there on her bed. Right there on her couch or her bed, her garment's still sitting there. This will never happen. If a woman is raped or a woman is, is, is an attempted rape, they want nothing to do with this man. The smell of that man, the thought of that man 
bothers them. They do not leave his garment right next to them and just sit there on the couch and say, oh, there's his garment. I've just been waiting for you. No. If they want to leave it where it was left, they will leave that room. Nothing is holding up here in her case. And remember, her husband is, is, is a policeman. Her husband is the captain of the bodyguard. He knows how to figure out cases. Verse 17, then she, then she spoke to him with these words. So, so in verse 16, she tells him that, that when her master came home, she says, here's his garment right next to me. She spoke to him with these words. Uh, in verse 17, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to make sport of me. She's blaming it on him. You brought him in here. Now, she doesn't put the intent on him. She doesn't say, you brought him in here to make sport of us. She just said, you brought him in here and he made sport of us. She gossiped about him with the intent. She spoke of him as it's his fault. So in other words, it's very different. If I bring a dog into my house, knowing that the dog will bite my wife, that's very different than if I bring a dog into my house and he happens to bite my wife. Those are two very different things. So she says to him, well, you brought this, this dog in, this slave in, to make sport of me. And I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. All the man has to do is speak to any one of the other servants. They go, ah, uh, we saw him running out in just his loincloth. And then 30 seconds later, we heard a scream. This man knows something's not right here. Something's not right. Look in verse 19. Now, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. It doesn't say who his anger burned at. It doesn't say his anger burned at Joseph. It says his anger burned. His anger burned. Why did his anger burn? Because he heard that, that Joseph had tried to rape his wife? No. It's when his wife said these words, this is what your slave did to me. When she said to him, this is what your slave did to me, that's what made his anger burn. She is blaming him for this. And he, being an investigative man, knows that this is a bunch of nonsense. You know, when I was trained as a graduate student, my, my, my advisor, who was a Nobel Prize winner, later became a Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, he taught me, if, if the data looks fishy, it usually is. You can't just accept every bit of data that's spit out of an instrument. My wife went in, it was going into a store the other day, and they were checking temperature. So some guy put a little thing to her head, he goes, 75 degrees, you're okay. As long as you're under 100, you're okay. Told her she's 75 degrees. Why? Because the machine said 75 degrees. I mean, come on, she's not 75 degrees. She'd be dead. But to this guy, if the machine says 75 degrees, she's 75 degrees. That's what you're taught not to do as a scientist. You don't just read what comes out of a device and accept it. Oh, well, it says, so she must be. No. You, you have, you, so this is a, this is an investigative man. He doesn't say, oh, well, she says this. He's saying, this doesn't match up. Something's, and so he's really angry. He's really angry. So what does he do? In verse, verse, uh, 20. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, was his, he was responsible for it. 
the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Then it came about that after these things, the cupbearer and the baker, the kings for the king of Egypt offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with the two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. Okay, so if you look at this, it says, it's, it's really interesting. So he puts him in the jail. You'd say, wow, he must have been really upset. No, if he was really upset with him, he would have had him killed. He would have had him flogged and then killed. He puts him in the jail. It's the jail he's in charge of. In verse 3, so he put him, in verse 3 of chapter 40, so he put him in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. This is the king's jail. This is the, where the blue-collared crime, where, where, where the white, not where blue-collar crime, white-collar crime. This is where the, you know, the, the, the heads of state go into. This is uh, the minimum security jail. I think she put, he put him, Joseph, in there for his own protection from his wife. This is like witness protection. Because he gets in there and immediately he finds favor. You don't find immediate favor. Because if you look up in chapter 39, verse 2, it says the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. He became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now the master saw that the Lord was with him and how he caused everything he did to prosper and how he found favor in his sight and then started appointing him into things. He gets into the jail and the jailer gives him the key. Why? Because it must be that the, the guy in charge of the jail, who's Potiphar, says, just commit it to this guy, he's good. Nobody, no jailer in the right mind would give the keys to the prisoner and say, you be in charge of everything. Because if anybody gets out of the jail, it's on the jailer. Potiphar must have spoken on his behalf because immediately he's elevated to being in charge of this place. And it says... Another thing, why would, would this wife and, and, and why would this woman and this man be having, this woman and Potiphar, Potiphar and his wife have so many troubles? Well, if you look in, 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 uh, uh, verse 30, chapter 39, verse 1, when it speaks about Potiphar, and the same thing in chapter 30, I'm sorry, yeah, and same thing in chapter 37, verse 36, it, the same thing about Potiphar. If you look in the Young's literal translation of those two verses, in the Young's literal translation of those two verses, so for example, in 39.1 it says, and Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, a eunuch of Pharaoh, head of the executioners, and an Egyptian man, buyeth him out of the hand of the Ishmaelites who have brought him thither. And it, again, in, in, uh, in chapter 37, verse 36, it says that he was a eunuch. A eunuch means a castrated male. Very often around the kings of, of Egypt and around many kings, they kept the men castrated so they wouldn't be messing with their queens. This man may, was castrated. If you look in the literal translation, he was castrated. So now he has a wife. Now a castrated male can have sex, and, and, uh, uh, but they don't have nearly the desire. Of, of, of a typical man. And, and, uh, so you see that this might have been part of the problem with her wife, with his wife. We don't know. Again, this is, this is reading something into it, but it seems to make sense in all of this. Immediately, this guy is made in charge of the, of the jail. And in comes a couple of people, and now look what happens. And again, let's read chapter 40, verse 3. 
So they put him in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was in prison. Verse 4 of chapter 40. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time. Who's the captain of the bodyguard? Potiphar. Potiphar spoke to Joseph and said, you keep charge of these two guys. These are very distinguished men. This is the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. The chief. These men would taste food in front of the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. These are very high-level people of state. He puts Joseph in charge of them. He liked Joseph. Joseph ran that jail for Potiphar. And the word jail here is a borrowed Egyptian word. And it's a borrowed Egyptian word, and some, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's uh, called roundhouse. It's, it's, uh, it's exclusively for those who are put there by uh, 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 the king of Egypt, and it's under the charge of, of uh, um, Potiphar. He may well have been protecting Joseph from this wife. We don't know for sure. We just don't know for sure. Now, again, I don't want you to accept that as a fact. You read into this whatever you want to read into it. But it's very interesting that this guy overnight, the same day he was put in there, he rose up to being in charge of the jail. He, it wasn't a gradual thing. He rose up to being in charge so much that the jailer gives him the key and says, you watch out for everybody. But what's interesting about this is he is now thrown in jail. Remember, he is taken, he is kidnapped, he is put, in, he is put as a slave, and God says in, in chapter 39, he prospers. In the end of chapter 39, the last verse says, the last part of it says, whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it to prosper. And you're like, huh? Prosper? What on earth are you talking about? What on earth are you talking about? Prosper? He's now been put in a jail. You call that prosperity? Remember, prosperity in the Lord is not what is happening out here. Prosperity is the relationship of you and God. That can prosper no matter what state you're in, in this world. You may be deathly ill, but prospering in the Lord. Prosperity in the Lord is something that is so much richer. Prosperity in the Lord is so much richer. So if you look, for example... In, in Psalm chapter 27, Psalm chapter 27, reading from verse 11, Psalm 27, verse 11 through 14. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Oh, is that beautiful. Every page of the scriptures drip with the truth of God. Every word in this book is true. Every page is the truth of God. You can take this word and absolutely bank on this in your life. This word is so true. He says, look, there are people coming against me. The psalmist writes, I got foes all against me. He says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In this
this life I will see your goodness. In this life, Joseph is seeing the goodness of God, the prosperity of God as a slave. Joseph is seeing the goodness of God, the prosperity of God as a prisoner in the prison. God says, whatever you do, I make it to prosper. And Joseph doesn't go, well, duh, look at me. No, he receives whatever he is in, God makes him prosper. We are, we are restricted because of these COVID days. We can't get out and do what we normally want to do. But God says, in me, you can prosper. In me, you can prosper. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 27 verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You be strong. You wait for the Lord. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is what the scriptures tell us. This is what, 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 what they're telling us to do. I mean, this is just, just so good. Look in, in <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 49, verses 3 through 6. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 3 through 6. This is Jesus speaking. You say, well, Jesus, he wasn't born. Yes, Jesus was alive. The Messiah has always been. And you read the book of Isaiah and you see the Messiah speaking. Here is what the Messiah Jesus is speaking. Before he's born as a human being on earth, he is speaking. And you read this in the book of Isaiah. And in chapter 49, verse 3, he said to me, meaning God my Father said to me, he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will show my glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely the justice due me is with the Lord and my reward is with my God. So here is Jesus saying, I have toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Well, maybe because everybody deserted him. Here he had come to Israel. His own nation did not receive him. All the disciples fled from him. So Jesus is saying, here's what's happening in the world around me. It's not like I'm denying the truth. You know, I could say, oh, I'm so happy to be locked up in my home these COVID days. Oh, it's so glorious. No, I'm not denying the truth. I'd love for it to not be like this. So Jesus is saying, look, if you look from an earthly standpoint, I've toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. And here's what he says. Yet surely the justice due me is with my Lord and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, this is Lord, this is capital letters, capital L-O-R-D, meaning Yahweh. And now says Yahweh, who formed, uh, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God is my strength. So Yahweh, Yahweh, the father sent me to bring Jacob back to him, to bring Israel back to him. And here's what he's going to say in verse, in verse six. He says, so here it is Yahweh speaking. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So what he says in reply to this is, 
not only are you going to bring Jacob back to me, not only is Israel going to come back to me, but through you, the very ends of the earth, all the nations, all the Gentiles, the vast majority of you watching today fall into this prophecy. It's because God the Father is speaking and said, if you look at this in the earthly way, even Jacob hasn't turned to you, but you watch. Israel will turn to you and even the ends of the earth. People from all over the earth. And that's why you're on this call. Because of this prophecy being fulfilled. That's why you're on this call. We see things in the earthly sometimes and we wonder, does this thing work? Is this really true? And then God says, I can cause you to prosper. I can cause you to advance and prosper in this. I can cause you to prosper in this. And, and uh, so, so this, is, this is what can be done. He causes us to prosper in this. This is what is done. Now, let me speak now to the unbeliever, to those of you, of you who are on this call who do not know Jesus. You do not have the strength to come into anything that I've just said. You do not have the strength to walk in this uprightness with God. You don't have the strength because the Bible says this. It says of you that you are a slave to sin. You are a slave. You can try to be good for a day or two, but you'll fall right back into it. It is without God, you can never do this. You can never be successful in this. Uh, um, for example, in Romans chapter 6, it says that you are, in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, he says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that your body of sin might be done away with. In verse 20 of Romans chapter 6, it says, when you were slaves of sin, the Bible describes not knowing Jesus as being a slave of sin. That's in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, and Romans chapter 6, verse 20. We were slaves of sin. You are a slave of sin if you do not know Jesus. You cannot fight your way out of this. Only in Jesus, only in Jesus can you, can you, can you have this. Uh, you've got to mute these folks. So, so uh, um, Mike, if, if, if Jake Hamilton comes back on again, just, 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 we've got we to gotta just put him in the holding room there, okay? All right. So, so um, uh, Jesus provides a way for this. Jesus is the one who provides the way for this. It is in Him. It is in Him. The life that I'm speaking about is only in Him. Only in Him would you be able to declare, the justice due me is with my God, now bring it on. Bring the justice due me. Only in Him can you survive. Only in Him can you take upon yourself Psalm 27 and say, Say, uh, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. It is only in Jesus that you can take these things. Only in Jesus that you can take hold of this. It's only in Him. I urge you this day to come to know Jesus. The Bible puts it this way. He says, it says this, that we must Confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he's risen from the dead and you will be saved. This very day you can be saved. Come into this. Take this upon you so that you can begin to prosper. The Bible is clear. You prosper by taking the word of God and making it your daily meditation. You meditate on these verses and you will begin to prosper in spite of these COVID days. You can prosper. You can prosper in spite of it. Where God looks down from heaven, he says, look, angels, you see that person there? Boom, they are prospering. They are prospering. And, and I, let, let me just give you a personal testimony here. 
Just recently, I had an administrator at Rice tell me, he says, you know, there's a lot of people uh, in the administration at Rice that are your enemies. And he is the second administrator at Rice to tell me this. No, the, actually the third administrator. He's the third administrator at Rice to tell me this. Because I have some administrators that really like me. And they tell me this. And it's like, but I don't have a case against them. And I say, well, I still like them. I don't know who they are, but I still like them. I said, and why are they against me? He says, you know why they're against you. He says, they, they can't understand all your religion stuff. They can't understand why you take these positions that you do. And I said, but I still like them. I refuse to walk in anger toward them. I refuse to do this. I refuse to walk in anger toward them because in Romans chapter 12, verse 17, it says, Romans 12, 17 says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. It says in verse 21 of Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I will continue to speak nicely of them. I will continue to speak well of them. I will continue to do this. I had two, two federal officials, both of them federal officials from different agencies, tell me that my grants were getting nixed because of people in, in, that, that didn't like the stands that I was taking. I mean, I can be bitter about that or I can say, Lord, I am going to trust you that I will get the grants that I need to get. You can walk above these things. I'm telling you, you can walk above these things. If you know Jesus, you can. If you don't know Jesus, you cannot. I urge you this day to come to him. And if you know Jesus, you can walk above these things. Joseph is a prime example of walking above these things. In the midst of this, this woman took such advantage of him, yet Potiphar put him in a place where he ended up excelling and Potiphar was entrusting to his charge all of these people. That jailer must have heard from Potiphar, give him the key, because no jailer in his right mind would give the key to one of the prisoners, because if it didn't go well, it's the jailer's neck. Not the prisoner too, but the jailer's neck. And this is just amazing what God can do, what God demonstrates for us, that prosperity is way far above what's happening in the world today. That we can live prosperous with God. Yeah, I care about what's happening in the country. I care about the pain that people are going through. I care about the disorder and the, and, and the rioting. This, this, this hurts me to see this happening to this country that I love. But I'm not going to stay there. I am going to prosper in my God. I'm going to prosper in my God. And I'm never going to pay back evil for evil to anyone let us rise above this. And I'm going to pray, if you do not know the Lord today, I urge you this very day to come to know the Lord. Let's pray. And if you don't know the Lord, would you repeat this prayer after me? Speak it right out loud. Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me and come into my life. I believe Jesus is Lord, and I believe Jesus has risen from the dead. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord, I pray for those who are here on this call, those who have prayed this prayer. I pray, Lord, that you draw them close to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you also would, would uh, 
just take these words and just burn it within our hearts that we would learn to rise above all the things that are happening in this world, that we could walk like Joseph walked, above these things, that we could walk like Jesus walked, above these things, trusting you that our lives would be dedicated and set apart for you, that we would be walking on another plane because of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the truth of your word, for the glory of Jesus, and in his name, I offer this to you, my precious Lord Jesus. Amen.